You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the latest um, edition of Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John and we have another throwback um, series special. So we're going back 20 years this time um, to... 2002 2003 um and i have celtic and rangers representation so we have um the throwback specialist chris and we have um rangers fan and returning guest john walker guys welcome along how are you doing good thanks hello john that just covers both of you i know i'm i'm very happy we're going back to a year where rangers won travels so i'm i'm in a better mood now <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, I hope he's I hope he's got on because this was an era where off the pitch at least Celtic and Rangers gone like a house in fact I said the same sponsor and they walked into board meetings together and vetoed things at them to screw up the other clubs. So <laughs> <laughs> not a better one. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> in terms of this season, when I first um, said that we're going to do this, what's the things that spring to mind um, immediately um, before we even go into some of the nitty gritties of what went on? To build, and that it's it's one word that sums up everything. Um, with that season, as far as Celtic concerned, this was the first European final in thirty-three years. Um, it was actually the first trip into Europe after Christmas for about thirty years. I think it was eighty-two. Was the previous time to this? Yeah, I think so. so. Twenty years kicking. For me, um, for me, the only thing, honestly, the only recollection, it's that Arteta celebration. For the penalty, that's that's the one thing I see when I look back at that is whatever Arteta's doing with his wrists um, at that point when he scored that penalty, but it's the pure standout. Every time I see Arteta talking about football, being a coach at Man City, I can't unsee him with that hairband, that hair, waving his wrists about, running away when he's won the, won the title. That's all I can remember. Um, aye, but that's because we had a slightly less, less endearing European campaign that season. <laughs> yeah, and just to set the tone for, um, you know, the two managers, uh, Martin O'Neill and Alec McLeish. So basically, a few years before, Dick Advocat came in and Rangers were going to win the European Cup and all the rest. But Martin O'Neill came in, absolutely destroyed um, Dick Advocat um, for one and a half seasons. Advocat then moved upstairs. Alec McLeish comes in, knows that Celtic's going to win another um, title, but stops him winning um, a second treble, essentially, and got, gets a cup double and he's unbeaten his first few old firm games. So it really did set the tone for what was going to be an extraordinary season. The Indian sign was what the term I remember banded about at the time. This, this magical thing that Alec McLeish apparently had over Celtic um, until Celtic figured it out and then won seven in a row, <laughs> which started in this season, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there was certainly, like, as you say, the, the league, when, when McLeish came in the, the previous season, the league was already gone. Um, but he did win both the Cups, starting off with the semi final one against Celtic. Um, so. Aye, so it was a, uh, and then as, as John's hinted at, this was the the seventh treble of Rangers history, uh, and <laughs> and, last. <laughs> and last, yeah. Um, I mean, when you, when you compare it, Celtic had won the treble two seasons earlier, and that was Celtic's third. And now, fast forward twenty years on, it's seven each. Celtic are trying to go for an eighth, as uh, we record this. So, aye, and see chat like that, it's made me convinced that in twenty twelve the world did end, and we're actually all dead. <laughs> I could make a joke about 2012 endings. <laughs> John, in, in terms of when Alec McLeish got the job, were you a wee bit underwhelmed by that point? Because his track record was okay, but it didn't really stand out. See, to be fair, no, because I think at the time, if, 
if people who are listening to this aren't from a pre-Twitter, pre-social media era, <laughs> you didn't really know about all these up-and-coming coaches from Europe. Um, we wouldn't have found a Pedro Cachinha if he was on our doorstep. And Ange Postacoglu probably wouldn't have appeared at Celtic. Um, it was going to be somebody within your league. And I think Alex McLeish at the time, Hibs were probably the third best team. Um, I actually thought Alex McLeish was a standout from the minute I heard about him. But that was just, again, recency bias and being local and being like, oh, well, that makes sense. As a Scottish manager, we we only really had Dick Advocate for being the foreign manager. So we were used to it, um, being a Scottish manager. So no, I actually did think Alex McLeish was the, was the absolute standout. Hibs were playing well against us. Um, I think if they remember them drawing two each against us, and that was when I was like, yeah, he's probably the next best option if we can get somebody in. Was that when Alan Norman scored an absolute crack of his left foot? I, I'd be reaching, I don't remember. I don't know right, who scored. Nah. <laughs> I'm not going to look at Rangers, Hibs and YouTube and I can't bother. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the season, I mean, let's be honest, it wasn't a great start to season in Europe for both sides because Celtic lost to Ball in the Champions League and that was viewed as a bit of a disaster because Celtic were expecting to go into the Champions League having performed quite well the year before and they went out and away goals. Now, Ball proved they were a pretty handy side because they put Liverpool out of the Champions League and then gave United and Juventus some good games in the second group stage. That's back to stage where it was two group stages of the Champions League. Um, but Rangers lost to Victoria Sivskov in the UEFA Cup in the first round, which again was seen as a bit of a disaster. But John, I'll ask you first, did, do you think that was a bit of a help to Rangers um, in some, some respects to let them focus on getting the league? I mean, this year, like in this era, they've been enough to get somebody sacked, I think. Um, a loss like that would have players down tools would have been gone. But I remember, I always remember that season review and Alex McLeish actually said that in the Pure Rangers official DVD, that they were quite happy when they got that cup shot because they realised domestic success is what they needed back at the club. And a running UEFA Cup was going to deter from that. or That's what they assumed. Um, but to me, that, that, that game... Was, that game was alarming because they were that team were so bad. Um, I, I remember I wasn't even at that game. I remember I was going to a gig and was watching that game in the garage. And it was 3 0 going on 7 8. And the minute we made it 3 0 an extra time, they ran out of part and scored right away, like right away as we were heading into the gig and nobody would watch it. Um, but I, I mean, I guess it did in the end. But I mean, you're talking one goal the difference, and Celtic crammed in on our 16 European games in that time. I mean, what one goes with made a difference. So well. it's funny because Victoria Siskoff sounds like somebody you'd meet in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 was, I mean, it was one goal that cost us as well. That away goal uh, that scored in the first leg. Um, but this was a really weird season. Celtic played every single European tie, home first, away second, and it was just a, a, a weird part. That included the ball game and the Champions League qualifiers. But as you say, ball were, were a really good side. I mean, they had like Hacky Jackin and a bunch of other guys that were really good. Um, Jimenez up front was really good. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really good team, and like, certainly there's well to beat them three one at home. Um, to be fair, but it was we were inches, and I mean inches away from getting it through in that tie because it was a late chance. We were two 0 down in Switzerland, and Sutton had that one just went past the post. See, see, every time I've seen that chance since, it still looks like it might just curve in. Uh, it's one of those ones that's that close, but you, I mean, you know, you know, it's still going to end in the back of the net. And uh, but I, it was funny because um, my dad said to me after that tie that that defeat had cost us so dearly we would need to make the final to make up for the financial loss that you just cost ourselves. <laughs> it, was, it was one of the most prophetic things I've ever remembered him saying. Yeah, how that would um, <laughs> how that would all turn around. But in terms of our Scottish teams in Europe that season, so Livingston, um, their one and only European campaign to date. 
um, drew one each with Vadu's away from home, drew nil at home and three away goals in the qualifying rounds, then lost um, 8-6 in aggregate to Sturm Graz. Um, a brilliant tie, by the way. And, and I, I should say that I, am, I was at every single Celtic home fixture of this campaign, and I was also at the Living System Graz game. Really? It, co- it, it coincided with uh, the second leg of our uh, Sudova tie, and obviously we'd won 8-1 for the home leg, and it was like, well, that's done. <laughs> I still took a radio at Almondville, but I went along to Sport Livingston, and it was a brilliant <laughs> game of football. <laughs> Well, it was nice. one of the most enjoyable ones that season. <laughs> yeah, well, Aberdeen um, beat Nistria Tachi 1-0. Um, then I went to my first ever European tie, um, Aberdeen nil Hertha Berlin. No, we were actually quite unlucky not to um, get a win in that first leg. I remember Gavar Kirai with the um, grey joggies stood out and was excellent goal. And then we lost second leg. Probably deserved to lose that game second leg, but to lose it in the last minute was hard to take. But um, then the rest of the season, Aberdeen... This just wasn't great. It was a centenarian. We did nothing in the cups. F. Skodal left. Steve Parson came in. Yeah, let's just not go there. <laughs> Another point about Livingston, though. That European run of theirs actually impacted Celtic later on in the season because we brought in Javier Sanchez Broto as a goalkeeper on loan. And because he had played for Livingston in the UEFA Cup earlier that season, he wasn't eligible to play for us for Europe. Are you sure he was in a short-term sign, Chris? Because you couldn't get loan players in the um, yeah. top play at that point? It, had he not played for Livingston, he would have been eligible to play for us in Europe. And because he played for Livingston, he wasn't. And that meant we absolutely had to play Rab Douglas and all the talk, I remember. Because he played really well for us in the league mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of that season. and It was, it was pretty much first pick and it was Rab Douglas that was coming in for the European games. And had he played in that final, it may have ended differently. One of those what-ifs. Yeah. It's, it's amazing the, the similarities in, in terms of the drop points that Celtic and Rangers had in the league this season. Um, both drew Waberdeen. Rangers two each, Celtic one each, both at Pataudry. You both drew one each at home with Kelly. Uh, wait, Kelly, sorry. Um, Rangers, uh, Rangers one was the first day of the season. You both lost to Motherwell. Celtics was very early on the 2-1 game. Rangers was at Christmas, 1-0. And you both drew with Dundee, one each and two each respectively. The Rangers one was interesting because Rangers had three penalties that day. <laughs> Could you imagine Twitter back then? Penalty Rangers, penalty Rangers, penalty Rangers. I, I can imagine Twitter right now because I've seen that game referenced on Twitter. <laughs> in the recent years you know what I mean was, see when you watch them back it's three penalties <laughs> I know it sounds odd to give three penalties in a game but they were all stone walls I don't even remember I honestly don't remember the penalties that was back in the era I don't know if folk remember this I don't know what Celtic did see with the season review DVDs Rangers went through this really annoying era of never showing the other team's goals mm. So every game, it was just Rangers goals from the game. So see the Celtic free each game in the, the opening old firm? Just three Rangers goals. Oh, you missed it one of the best goals of the season then. Ah, I know. It was, that's, that's, see, to be honest, actually, John, that might be one of my memories. I wasn't sure if I remembered it right and I went and looked at it today. The Bulls goal in that game, right after Larson's goal, mm-hmm. is brilliant because you can still see Celtic fans jumping about and celebrating and you can hear that we're top of the league as the ball's heading the ball into the back of Rab Douglas's net. That's something that does stand out a little bit for me, just in that one bit. Apart from Rab Douglas is amazing Rab Douglas. I, I always had the good time for Rab Douglas, but for me he probably had his best game for Celtic in, the, in this season and his worst. That game was his worst. <laughs> Aye, it was bad. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you say, John, Rangers were top of the league that day because Celtic had lost their game to Motherwell and it was just a, a cracking old firm game, wasn't it? It was good. At, I mean, again, Rangers, like, Celtic shot off for that second goal and Rangers' other two goals shouldn't be goals if they've got anyone other than Rab Douglas in the net. So um, I do think when we look back at that, though, in general, that's... I don't know, because Celtic fans have obviously got this recency where Celtic have just been completely dominant in their sides. If it's Brendan Rodgers' side, They've got the football they're playing just now. But as two teams, I would say that's probably the that's the best individual season I've seen both teams go at each other in the league. It was just it was going to be a goal. <laughs> that's what it felt. It was going to be one goal that, that swayed it either way. Because I I look at games when they decided they were playing last and Sutton and Hartson and <laughs> Rangers had Bob Malcolm and uh, Surab Christophili at centre half for a couple of games. And I was just like, how, how are we going to keep them out? How, how is this going to work? Um, and then Craig Moore get fit, thankfully, for a couple of old firms. But I, the two teams, I think Rangers probably more depth when I looked at it, but the two teams are absolutely ridiculous. I, I do think that's, I think any era, well, either Laudrup's era or Larson's era is when there's been the best player in the league that's ever been in the league between those two. <laughs> But a Celtics team and Rangers team at that point was just ridiculous. Van Bronckhurst had left by this point, hadn't he? Aye, 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 aye. too. Aye. That, 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 that to me was probably the era when Celtic and Rangers were at their best, was when Larson was the one team of Van Bronckhurst and the other team, because he was the only person I remember Larson ever kicking the hell out of. Because of my pals. Aye. <laughs> the final days, I went on to be pals later in the career as well, but I, he was the one, they used to kick each other, it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. A friendly rivalry was really good. Aye, that's that was the highlight of which that was probably yeah. just Incidentally, you met, um you mentioned Keyes Bailey. Um he actually um was at Dundee that season. You signed him at the end of that season because he was football he was the young player of the year. Yeah, young player of the year. So it was just Bob Malcolm. He- mate, mate, it's fucking it's, it's I've been did him at the service. It's Morris Ross and Buddy Kevin mm-hmm. Muscat, I'm thinking of being the two fullbacks. <laughs> that's right. Morris Ross wasn't a great he, I mean, he, even for Scotland yeah. he wasn't a good Kevin Muscat was a dreadful defender. He was, yeah. mate, he was a dirty, 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 dirty player. Yes. Um, I, he was right back and Morris Ross was playing left back for for quite some time when Newman and Rickson were injured. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned Ange Postacoglu earlier. He knows Kevin Muscat. There was a rumour he was going to bring him in as an assistant at one point. <laughs> but no. <laughs> in terms of the Celtic Seville run, I'll, I'll just jump on that quickly. Um, so you also beat Sudova 10-1 over two legs. Then the Blackburn game came. Now it was one 0 Celtic at, at half time essentially for the win for the game at Parkhead. And the quote I remember was Gary Flitcroft because Blackburn played quite well that night. But he was he came out with him men against boys, the totally dismissing um, you know, Scottish football, etc. And then uh, he would partner even if, uh, if it doesn't matter to me what Scottish team goes and beats an English team. Um I want to see all Scottish teams do well in Europe. I don't know if you two are the same, but when Celtic won that night at, at Rovers, that was um, that was a nice wee um, custard pie moment to Flitcroft, wasn't it? Do you know what happened a few times during this? And I, 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 I said that we played home first away second every, every tie of this. And quite a few of the ties, we probably played better away from home than we did at home. Uh, I know that that, sounds, that might sound odd to people who have like, grown up with Celtic being voting away from home in Europe. But in this season... We probably played better away from home, more than we played uh, well at home. And this was one of the ties that happened. We we weren't great that night, and Blackburn probably were the better team. 
but they made a fatal error coming out and saying that many of the guys boys thing because we used that in the second leg and blew them away. The the, the multiple slips for the Larson goal was quite funny, but that, that was it was just poetic when Sutton got that near post header. That was that that was that to me is a Chris Sutton trademark, like running the near post and flicking it in for the header that he got for the second goal, and it was. Given Chris Sutton had been such a big name at Blackburn Rovers, it was kind of fitting that he was the one that got the, the goal that really did seal it for us. I mean, I know we all had the way goal by that, but there was still plenty of Blackburn Rovers fans thought they had a chance until that one in. <laughs> yeah, and um, I just I might as well just um, touch on Seattle Vigo. That was um, a bit of a crazy game. Was there not a, was there not a dodgy ref at the home game called Claude, Claude Colombo? Colombo. Yes, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't have my notes. That's, I did, the name came immediately in mind. It was a terrible referee. That Celta Vigo were one of the best teams we played in this run. They were a really good team, and our record against Spanish opposition was pretty bad. Um, so to take the one 0 for that game over there. Was was great, but then obviously he pegged us back. We only get through this day thanks to John Hartson's arse. <laughs> <laughs> that turn he has, which he just shields off a defender, fires it in the bottom corner, and then runs off celebrating. I, that, that's what that's. People will talk about the other Hartson goal later on in the, the tournament as their favourite moment. For me, that's the moment that John Hartson. Uh, that's his. That's for me to peak John Hartson goal in his Celtic career. That one. That's just him to a T using his arts to score. I mean, we'd be talking about John McGinn now. Like, that's just like 20 years earlier. <laughs> but to be fair, John Hartson was already um, quite quite a big guy. Um, oh, whereas John McGinn looks like a wee guy, but he just <laughs> uses his arts to good effect. Um, <clears throat> well, Celtic were doing well in Europe, um, John. You guys were starting to do. Um, quite well in the league. You beat Celtic at Ibrox despite them scoring the fastest low firm goal of all time with Chris Sutton. Um, you know, that must have been quite a special day. Um, were, were you starting to go to Rangers games at this point from our conversations? Aye, I had been at Rangers. I had been a Rangers season ago older since eight in a row. So it was at 94, 94. So I'd been, I had, so I was long. I was, I was not a suffering Rangers fan. It's, it's a very different feel now. Um, going to Rangers <laughs> games, it's, it's more of a slog now. Um, but no, no, that was, that was, that was full on then. That was when me and my brother were going together because he'd previously been going with his pals. But um, no, and I knew a few boys that were going from coming old when I moved through here. So like, we were going to games. Um, that was when I started drinking going to games because 15, 16 is when that happens. So, um, but that old firm, yes. It means 18 for them that's listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, aye, that old firm, first half we were brilliant, minus the first minute. Um, really, really, really good. Um, that Deboer, that Deboer near post goal again. That's another one. Deboer biting his nails, celebrating was another one that kind of stands out. There's just a few, a few things. But it was just that as much as I praised them, that Celtic team were interesting because seems so good defensively. But then you looked at the players and like Rab Douglas had a clanging in him, Boba Baldy had a clanging in him. There was goals to be gifted, and that seemed to be what happened. Um, in that era, more often than not, was. There was the odd mistake we capitalised on, but that was um, that was probably Neil Lennon, Le- Neil McCann at his peak um, as a winger, yeah. just being able to drive by people. One of the best people from digging it across from an angle that I couldn't see past the fullback. Um, and that was the same for quite a few of those games, but that did both go as well. Um, but that was vital because I, I still even think Celtic had a massive hoodoo over us, even even in spite of the draw at Parkhead and then beating them 3-2. Um, I still think we knew that we were that, that under the knee, I just felt that like we were always going to lose old firms. It was horrible. 
because I went I went to the first one. That was my was that my, my second time at Parkhead, and then I stopped going because I went throughout the Tony <laughs> Leader and just watched Rangers get beaten after beaten and just had to stop. The thing that I mean, I mentioned the Indian sign earlier. As much as I don't really believe in Indian signs, <laughs> what McLeish did do was he found a way to play against the new three five two. And it was that 4 3 3. Because the 3 on 3 just matched up really well and it worked in Angel's favour. When Celtic then switched to a 4 4 2, that's when it all fell apart again. It was like that one change of mentality was just made all the difference. And that's how Celtic ended up going on a win, what, seven in a row. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the, the, when it was still 3 versus 3, that's when it, I mean, the likes of Peter Lovenkrantz was an absolute pain in the ass first. He was always like one of the guys he would target. It was just he, if anybody's going to cause us problems, up him. But you're right. This was a this was kind of Pete Neil McCann as well. Yeah, I mean it was a good Rangers forward line. I mean they had um, I mean, Michael Moles, Claudia Kinesia, De Boer, um, obviously McCann, St- Stephen Thompson was um, signed as a decent enough squad player. Um, yeah, they certainly had uh, plenty of goals in their te- They didn't make many signings that summer, Rangers, because they still kept some of their players and. Um, some players were moving on, but Mikel Arteta was brought in for six million, but um, proved to be a final a good cog. And um, Barry Ferguson probably had arguably his best season as a Rangers player because he picked up both player of the years that year. He deserved it as well. He, that was his, and he was playing through an injury. Season. Yeah, Aye, that was uh, that was. We never seen that Barry Ferguson again. Um, even when he came back, everyone everyone kind of think remembers him differently from when he came back because he was so successful when he came back. We won all the titles. But nah, he was not he was never the same player that came back. Um I don't know if it was playing through that ankle injury for a full year <laughs> with injections and then avoiding Scotland, then obviously he bugged himself at Blackburn. But um Arteta, I remember I remember Arteta, that was one of the ones. See if Twitter existed then, he would have been getting the big sell in that PSG game that we played the previous year. Um that was that was solely what got us to buy Arteta. There was no other game. He dominated both games against Barry Ferguson and we rightly went and spent the money we spent on him. I don't know why we let him go for two and a half million just because he was homesick. We still been demanding the the six million back that we fought out. But I he was a well, he went on to have a great career, didn't he? But he was a special, special player. Um I oh, oh, I loved watching him that year. In the second season, not so much, but that year was unbelievable. Yeah, I think to be fair, financial tr- troubles were starting to get at home because at the end of the season you had a bit of a fire sale. But um, that's a that's a story for <laughs> that's a story for another day. This was also be- a, a long time before um, things hit the fan, but that's another thing altogether. Um, as I mentioned before, Rangers lost at Christmas to Motherwell, and Celtic had lost to Motherwell early in the season. What's ironic is Motherwell finished bottom. That season, they were in administration now, there was no points deducted, but Motherwell avoided relegation because that season, Falkirk's um, Brockville was getting sold, um, their new ground was never going to be ready, they tried a ground sharing approach with Airdrie and it was rejected. Now, a year later, Inverness Cali got promoted so because uh, they got the ground sharing with Aberdeen, so le- I think lessons were learned, they realised that this season was probably... Um, you can't, we can't do this again because it was a bad look for Scottish football at that point, let's be honest. Falkirk was screwed over. And it wasn't the first time Falkirk was screwed over as well because as an Aberdeen fan, you remember how Aberdeen avoided the playoff. They were denied the playoff. Yeah. Well done for saying they avoided the playoff because it wasn't know, relegation. You've had this conversation before, <laughs> that's why. Everybody says, oh, Aberdeen stood up. It's like, no, they avoided the playoff. They're supposed to play against Dunfermline, St. Marmont, up as champions. But because it was no playoff, Aberdeen stood up, Dunfermline, up as St. Marmont, were denied because the stadium wasn't good enough. Yeah. That was 2001? 2000. Oh, 2000, sorry. 
yeah, that was two years earlier. So that was Aye. this was Falkirk's second attempt, and they were denied again. Uh, they did eventually get up um, a few years later, but this was after the change had been made for the likes of the uh, Cali Thistle. They obviously got to share it, but I do. It's just, was, I'm glad I've got away from that. It was just ludicrous. It was just I, like I remember somebody pointing to the success of the SPFL when it changed because of Celtic's European run, and then Rangers in wait. Folk were saying this is what it was done to build. It was done to commercialise Scottish football on a platform where they could compete in Europe. And you went, aye, but it crippled the league by doing things like that. You were insisting on teams having 10,000 all-seater stadiums. I mean, I've got bloody one down the road at Clyde. That <laughs> it's lucky if it sees 500 fans a week and it still has to be there. It's, it's mental the way they've destroyed so many clubs and so many communities by building things they didn't need or want. Because if anyone's visited Broadwood, See, because the way they built the stands and the way the weather is in there, it actually makes it colder inside than you are on any other part of Broadwood. It's hideous. It would be good with one stand and open to the lock and you get some sun in it, it'd be nice. It's just that, oh, so many 10,000 all stadiums that are barely used. Yeah, because the plan was for Broadwood to become a 10,000 seater stadium, yeah. but when they realised there was just no point, they just thought, oh, we'll just, North Lancaster said, we'll just buy, uh, build a gym there. Build a and- gym, right? And a crash, and a crash. <laughs> We'll do kids' gymnastics as well, and we'll get yeah. a nice cafe in there. I, I honestly, it's ah, the cafe's decent, the soft play is good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think they have the rule anymore, do they? I know they no, lowered no, it no, no, no. 6,000. Right. Yeah, do they still have that? Because it was always sort of talk of what was going to happen with Queen's Park if they came up. Right. I'm not sure it exists because, um, I don't think you can put that in the top of it because they've all come back in the one, yeah. one umbrella again. Um, because look, you talk about teams being crippled. Airdrie were one who were crippled. You know, yeah, 2002. This was the season that the like, Airdrie United had joined because they bought Clyde Bank. Yeah. So they'd obviously killed them. Like, the financial mess of some of the clubs at this time, at that, this period in Scottish football, was ridiculous. And then we still romanticised Gretna. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never understand that now. That should be a warning, not a romantic story. Just listen to Stuart Cosgrove's reference in Gretna. <laughs> That's all I'll, I'll say in that. But yeah, it was um, it was pretty weird. But um, yeah, as we go throughout the season, um, yeah, before we move on to the, the next calendar year, one of the stupidest things I ever witnessed in football happened in I think it was December, our League Cup quarter final against Partick Thistle. There was eighteen penalties taken in that that game. At the end of that, nine were scored. Partick Thistle had three goes to knock us out and missed them all. It was the worst penalty shootout I ever witnessed. It wasn't the longest because I was at the Celtic Dundee United one where they had to go round again. <laughs> and Willow Flood missed the second one. But that that was until that that, that day, this was the one that lasted the longest. 18 penalties. It finished 5 4 to Celtic. And he, like Party Thistle, and Vinny will probably remember this. Party Thistle claim they scored a legitimate goal in that game in extra time. And the, the lines we just didn't give it because he said it have across the line. I don't know I was at the other end. But yeah, we were very lucky to get past that quarter final. Yeah, it's it's not something that I can say, say I remember, but then as as we said before, um I don't <laughs> recall much I don't want to recall much of the season as an Aberdeen um, fan because it was just dreadful. Um I, I, well I, I, I mean you say that, but you <laughs> wasted that Aberdeen were one of the teams that actually took points off Celtic and Rangers this season. Yeah. 
But see, in one of the games that we drew with Partick, we drew with Rangers. We then lost to Partick Thistle the next week. <laughs> Partick Thistle beat us three times, and former Aberdeen player David Lilly scored two of them. Is after this much better Aberdeen teams who have taken nothing from us? Aye, that's true. Aye, um, and we lost. Um, and one of my worst moments that season was a game at Celtic Park. We lost the game 7-0. I was in the Aberdeen end with my mum who supports Celtic. So I don't know who was the worst for, me suffering as an Aberdeen fan or my mum not being able to cheer every Celtic goal gainer. Is that <laughs> the one Hartson got about four? Uh, Hartson got four and I missed the Maloney free kick because we were at the stadium by then. You, I, I, I remember, because like, this was the first season I had a season book actually. So this was like a momentous season if I got a season book for the first time. So I was at that game um, and I remember... Watching that, like Larson was being man marked by Xander Diamond. So all Larson did was fucked off, looked to the side with a great big hole in Aberdeen defence. Xander Diamond it. couldn't have played that game because he, he was the following season he broke through. Not a Xander I, Diamond, Russell Anderson. Aye. Yeah. Mixing up your legendary defenders. Yeah. <laughs> Russ Anderson, obviously. Russ Anderson, that one. <laughs> Not at all. Um, but yeah, that's where we'll end the Aberdeen chat. Um, in terms of, but yeah, you mentioned Larson there. Um, he ended up missing a couple of games because he. Get, who was it? Was it Oscar Gus Rubio? Hawking. No, it was Gus Bohokin of Livingston okay. that broke his cheekbone. Yeah. And actually, that I thought that was going to cost us dearly because we had to go through the Stuttgart tie without him. And to be honest, I thought like my dad probably paid for it, me and him to go to Seville just for making the same bet every time. Was what Celtic to win Larson to score first? He couldn't do it in this round. <laughs> So it was like Larson was a phenomenal player for Celtic and he got us so far to Seville, but it cannot be taken away and cannot be stressed enough how well the team did in this tie. Stuttgart were a good team. Celtic had never scored in Germany until this tie. That, that, that was a phenomenal start that I remember. Um, and we obviously we had the first leg, we had um Pierre Luigi Colina as a referee, and he sent off on the Stuttgart player. And then we lost the goal. <laughs> so we had we ended up finishing that game 3-1. The Petrov goal from damn near the touchline, um, or the goal line, sorry, was a fantastic finish. Um, the Maloney getting one and Lambert firing as well. We played really well to get back into that and take a decent lead. But I remember thinking at the head of the second leg, it's 3-1. This is the same as it did against Pal. I hope it doesn't end the same. And then we went to Stuttgart and just blew them away. Like it was a phenomenal start to get the, the two Englishmen to score the goals, starting in uh, Thompson. We kind of let the game slide after that. <laughs> they won 3 2 that night. You probably should have done better. Um, but after that start, it was easy straight because you're 5 1 up in aggregate. You've got the two away goals. They need to score a bucket load to get back into the tie. So um, to, to do that without Larson in the team was one of the, the highlights of the, the campaign for me. So, and see, when you're watching Celtic's UEFA Cup run, are you thinking, "Oh God, I don't want, um, I don't want the um, gloating from Celtic fans to do well"? Or are you thinking, "Ah oh, well, let them tie themselves up um, so we can um, win the league"? No, I never. I, well, I was too young probably to even think like that. I, I don't know if that would have been even something that would have occurred to me then now because now that I look back at Rangers last year, it's probably the only thing that was keeping Rangers going last year was the European run, was the good results in Europe, getting through by with a kind of what was sluggishness and uh, domestically, but I, I guess it's probably around the. I don't. I don't know. It, it, it does work both ways, right? Because it just seemed to galvanise Celtic continually. Um, the only blip they really had in that 
I'm trying to, was, was the League Cup final. Apart from that, they they win, win one draw and or did two wins. There's, there's another, like the, the games either side of Anfield are what really cost us getting winning anything this season. Because just before we went to Anfield, there was a League Cup final that you mentioned, and just after Anfield, we went up to Inverness and lost again. <laughs> it's amazing yeah. the difference. I mean, that like three years earlier, we lost to Inverness under Barnes, and that was the end for him. To be fair, Barnes came into that game after being 2 0 up against Arsenal, losing 3 2 at home. So that was kind of the way that season was going. Here, we went into that Inverness game having just knocked Livingston, Liverpool out of the UEFA Cup quarter final at Anfield. To then go into that game, make too many changes. We gave Stan Varga a game, and Stan Varga was there on like, like, like he was a kind of trialist, effectively. <laughs> um, he did. I, I thought we were never going to see that guy again, and we gave him two year contract after it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that was probably his first appearance was that game. Um, was that the Scottish Cup? I was that was the Scottish Cup, yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, I was unfortunately, I was at both of those defeats. <laughs> Because um, I mean, that that that's probably one of my first away games as a season ticket holder. <laughs> was that game? Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was not fun, but it was interesting to go up to Inverness for the first time. We've been up there a few times since and had better results, but uh, it was just one of those too many changes. I could understand making the changes because it was a tough week. I mean, you played that we played that League Cup final. We should have taken it to extra time. So, well, it's a little bit of not. Getting a good linesman and a bit of hearts and missing that bloody penalty. Yeah, that, that, that's the other thing that bugged me. Is that, about this. that cup final? Yes. That, that, the 2003 <laughs> League Cup final. Again, I, th- that, I, th- I think this is when we finally twigged out to play against the 4 3 3. Because I think we changed it mid game. Oh, yeah, we went from being 2 0 down in that game to being 2 yeah. 1. Scored a perfectly legitimate goal because I was in line with both Hartson and the linesman. I know for sure he was in, he was well inside. She'd never have made that mistake. That obviously cost us in the end because it didn't get back to each. We did get the penalty and Hartson missed it. Yeah. I used to claim Hartson probably missed it on purpose because I don't think extra time would have done us any favours going into the infield game. <laughs> Possibly. I think, I think he redeemed himself, which will come in a minute. But John, from the Rangers' point of view, that League Cup final was... Um, so important because the week before you'd lost to Celtic at Park to Hartson scoring the goal. Now, had you lost the League Cup final that day, it could have ended up being 0 to 3 for Rangers that season because the wheels could have came off, but that League Cup win seemed to galvanise you again. I, I think that was that. Barry Ferguson talked about that and said exactly that. Like that, that like I said, coast it. Still think, even though McLeish had kind of won the two cups before, he'd not to get the semi final, won the Scottish Cup final 3 2. And even winning the 3-2 game at Ibrox, I still think Celtic were the better team and had a kind of hold over us. And it was... I don't know if the players needed convincing. You had Arteta. Um, I think Bonicel had come in for that game. Um, but, and I just... I think we started with... Was it Moles, Kanija and Lovencrans were the ones up front. But we had so many games, like I said, where it was Muscat, Morris Ross is playing, Bob Malcolm is playing games. It just wasn't that... Sometimes it would seem it was full strength. The Rangers team were unbelievable, but see when people like McCann were missing, the board wasn't there. Arteta was missing. It was like well, this is a bit. You kept hearing that Barry Ferguson's ankle. So I do think if Celtic had won that convincingly and kept their run going, I do well. Yeah, would have right. It would have galvanised Celtic further. I don't think we would have got. I think we would have seen the wheels come off a little bit because I. I still think Rangers Alex McLeish wasn't good. Wasn't a good side to watch. The best parts of Alex McLeish's Rangers side were the hangover from Advocates' best players. 
that he still had on board. I think you've seen Alex McLeish's Rangers in the, the following two years and what that would be like. It was pretty turgid to watch, pretty rotten. Um, so I do think it would have been easy for if that result was when the role makes it. It's what Chris is saying. I, I remember the first 25 minutes, it felt like we were amazing. And it was just a horrible final for the rest of the, the, rest of the game. Yeah, interestingly, guess who the two sub-goalkeepers were for either team? Sub-goalies? Yeah. Alan McGregor and David Marshall. You go. I did not know that until I looked at the team lines right there because I was interested to see what the Rangers team was that day because you mentioned Bonicel, but I think to be fair, he was the main weak link because it was Klaus, Rickson, Amoroso, Moore, Bonicel, Kinesia, Ferguson, Arteta, Lovengrans, to burn moles. But you took Bonicel off after 64 minutes for Morris Ross. So. Bonicel was knackered. I think he just came in. I think we'd literally because yeah. Newman was injured. Yeah. To be fair, Bonacell had a good game for the first 45. I remember him being pretty... I'm sure it's him that plays the pass into Moles and he does his wee turn next in Lovenkrans and that's the second goal. But um, I, he was he only came in... He came in as a pure emergency, I think. When cause I was actually looking at Arthur Newman because I realised that was the season he left. He only played like an average 18 games or something a season for Rangers. He was always injured. Because yeah, no, when you were talking about the goalkeeper for, on the bench for Celtic, another thing I didn't realise was Jonathan Gould was still in the, the books at Celtic last time. He played a couple of league games. <laughs> Yeah, I think he left in the January though to go to Preston, which is why he brought yeah. Broto in. But he was cup tied, which is why Dave Marshall made the bench. Um, <laughs> um, but Broto got to play in the um, Scottish Cup games in that aforementioned Kelly Thistle win. But to be fair, you would have taken getting through the semi final of the AFA Cup ahead of going into the semi final of the Scottish Cup, with all due respect, and especially beating out, I see, say, Liverpool. Now, I think this is one of the, your, your result at An, um, Anfield, I think is one of. The finest um, performances by a Scottish team away from home um, because Liverpool will be fair, one year for a cup a couple of years before. They've been in the Champions League semi finals. They were winning a few cups under Hooley. They were more more importantly from their point of view, they were usually quite tough um, defensively. But Celtic totally outplayed them that night. I mean, Douglas makes a couple of decent saves for Gerard, but Celtic bossed that game from start to finish. And John Hartson's goal is just outstanding. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we came into that off the, the back of the one each draw at Celtic Park, um, and that was Larson's return. He hadn't played at all for a month <laughs> uh, since he got his cheek, uh, bro- cheekbone broken. That was his return, and a hundred seconds it took him to get a goal, and he pretty much nutmegged the keeper with a knee. <laughs> <laughs> That's Larson for you. Um, aye, so we went down there one each, knowing we needed to score, and I don't know if that maybe made a difference because that meant we didn't. We couldn't just sit there and defend for ninety minutes, and if we'd done that, we'd get beat. So. Like you say, we we were the better team that night. Rab Douglas, I said earlier, he probably had his worst and best performances in a Celtic jersey in this season. I think this might have been his best. It's either this or the Valencia uh, away tie when we lost 1-0 the previous season. He was phenomenal that night. And the only reason we were even still in the tie when we got back to Celtic Park. Uh, but aye, it's one of those two. Um, but it, was, it wasn't so much that he made lots and lots of saves. He just made good saves at the right time when he was called upon I mean, it was crucial moments in the game that that tie was never entirely settled until the John Hartson goal um, I mean because when it was one each Liverpool were obviously edging it we get the, the, the Thompson free kick under the wall which was really clever I mean it's not often I'd seen that um, but I just left uh, doing it expanded uh, and then it just the Hartson goal was one he'll talk about I mean if you, if you ask John Hartson about the goals he scored he's always going to mention that one yeah, because he was a Liverpool fan as a boy. I think he says his only regret is it wasn't at the cop end. 
because <laughs> um, it was at the, the, the other end of the park. But it was a f- fantastic goal. It's always good to see the Celtic fans that are dotted in amongst the, the rest of the crowd are jumping up when that goal, ball goes in. Uh, but aye, it was it was there, there's a reason that if you get the, the Road to Seville DVD from that year, there are two discs on that. One of them is all the highlights from the, the entire run. The other disc is the full 90 minutes of that game at Anfield. <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched it all, but <laughs> um, right, you need to you got the best parts. But um there was a pivotal weekend in the premiership in the Premier League title race because although Rangers weren't playing the league game, they were beaten. I'm pretty sure that these games were the same day. Um, but Rangers were playing Motherwell in the Scottish Cup semi-final. Won that fourthly, a cracking game at Hamden. James if hadn't scored a beat chance to Bear Connerman. But on that same day, Celtic lost to Hearts. Now the irony of this game, which I th- which ultimately decides the title, is that mm-hmm. Celtic are going for a winner and then lose their 90th minute goal to Austin McCann. And had Celtic drawn, it could we well be David the like. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, the symmetry of this. This is, the, this is where a mirror breaks. Rangers won all their games against Hearts. Uh, there was one game I distinctly remember because I was on holiday in Ireland at the time. Um, and it was probably it must in February of, the, of 2003. They, they went to Tynecastle and I remember checking teletext and Rangers had won 1-0 to an own goal. <laughs> <laughs> so, just bloody typical. Um, so I, I, I can't remember who scored the own goal. You can probably look it up, but it was definitely an own goal. February two thousand three, Hearts Rangers. Um, but yeah, the, the we were chasing the winner, thinking we needed to win it, and it, it wasn't unreasonable to think that because of the. I mean, this was that was April. Um, we still had to go to Ibrox, which we'd have to win. Um, I think we st- even even with that, we still need the Rangers to drop points, which they didn't do until the Ibrox, played. by the way, Chris. Just to let you know. The Hearts Rangers again? Oh, okay. <laughs> um but yeah, so I don't think Rangers dropped the, the points to Dundee until the May. So that hadn't happened yet. So we were of the thinking that we need to win every game. Had we known that a draw would have been enough? <laughs> Things maybe could have been different, but there's no way that's earthy done on that. You can't you can't play for it at all. Not in this. Every point's every point's yeah. important. But Don't, I heard that every point was important, and it's just that in trying to get the three, we lost the one we had. So yeah, Austin McCann will uh, he's, he's one of those names that's ingrained in the brain, unfortunately. because I think we went into the split right five points clear. That was where we were. Yeah. Coming up coming up to that old firm. Yeah, that was when it, that was when the bottle that was when the bottle was crashing. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of that um oh, that last old firm game that Celtic won 2-1, have you ever seen so many Lilos and um, beach balls at Ibrox in your life? Yeah, the following season. <laughs> well, I, I I have had this debate so many times over the last 20 years, right? Because I remember being at Ibrox after the Barcelona one. Eh, well, we knocked Barcelona the year for a couple of the following season. And I remember the beach balls and the lilos and the wind caught them and took them all up to the halfway line. So for me, Sombrero Sunday or Beach Ball Sunday or whatever you want to call it, it's 2003-04. I, but everybody else will tell you, no, no, it's after we beat Boa Vista. We're both right. Because it happened twice. <laughs> it's just, this is the first one. It was the one I wasn't at. But you see so many pictures online and it's the... It's the 0304 sip we've got. It's David Marshall in goal because David Marshall's broken into the team having played in the Barcelona game. And so people go, oh, that's the, that's the Seville season. It's like, oh, look at the pictures. And people don't believe you. It's like they, don't, they don't even believe the evidence in front of them. It's bizarre. It's just going to happen twice. But uh, yeah, it's, it was it was great. It was just the, the, the banter of it. I mean, I, there was people like 
taking out Spanish newspapers and reading them, taking more interest in what's in there than it's in the game. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, even I'm probably mixing up the two games at this point. <laughs> <laughs> This is so much fun. Yeah. I, and, and, and more importantly, the team did it on the park that day, which got us back into it. Mm-hmm. I think that was the first time Lovencrans getting nullified in an old firm game, John. I, I mean, Lovencrans is a funny one, man. You had to put Lovencrans in front of Celtic or put them in the last six months of a contract. And that's when you get the best out of Peter Lovencrans when he was wanting a wage rise or he was playing against Celtic. That was the only two times that you get Peter Lovencrans to be motivated um, to play football for Rangers. That was when he did his best work. Um, so, no, he was that, that wasn't a good game. That was what I'm talking about. We see when I say Celtic just seemed to have a hold over Rangers when they wanted it under Martin Neal. That was one of those games that I, 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 even when we get a goal back, I never felt like we were going to do anything in the game. It just felt like that was just a temporary goal at the time. Um and I do, I'm always a pessimist. I do remember thinking when we lost that game, I was like, no, we only need to drop points in one more game and then we're in trouble. Um, oof, aye, that was horrible. That was horrible, especially being at Ibrox. At least if it's a parkhead and I'm not there, you don't have to deal with it. But leaving <laughs> Ibrox and having to go home, and that's just it's horrible, man. Especially at that time, because like I said, I've been going to Rangers games since like eight in a row. I've been going to like big games since like I was seven, eight. Um, so I hadn't really seen Celtic win at Ibrox that much. That was the killer. It was, was starting to see it happen. Just yeah. now, unfortunately. I know. And then, um, obviously, mentioned Celtic reached um, Seville um, after beating Bob Easter, and then it was um, Porto in the final. Chris, um, fair to say it would have been one of the best um, football trips of your life, but maybe the most, one of the most painful 90 minutes, or 120 minutes, should I say. So... And the, the, the Boa Vista tie before it was an odd one because it was probably the worst atmosphere of a Celtic European game I ever remember at Celtic Park. It was just too tense the entire time. Um, we were, we, I mean, we were better than Boa Vista. I mean, there was no doubt about that. And we made hard work out that night, which then obviously because it's one each, again, we're having to go there knowing they've got their way goal. And they, like, unlike Liverpool, who tried to take at least play a game, Boa Vista came out to get nothing each. That was their entire tactic the entire night. And for 80 minutes, it looked like they might get it uh, because nothing was quite working for us. I think we were probably a bit nervous trying to get that goal as well. And even the goal itself, Larson tries to play it to Hartson and they get a foot and they whip it away. But it's this one time it breaks to Larson. And Larson, I don't know if he meant to scarf it or not. The scarf is what takes it in. It's probably the only bad first touch I've ever seen Henry Larson have. Yeah, I, I it, it, it completely caught the keeper out because he did a great night as he always does. He was like Portuguese keeper at the time. I think he went on to win the Euros with Portugal, didn't he? 2004. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so he did a great night and that scarf just caught him unaware, I think. Um, and you don't care. It's a buzz the neck. Larson's running away. I'm sitting in my parents' living room, jumping in for joy. Like I, <laughs> I think I leap so high, I nearly punched the ceiling. Um, he didn't win the Euros with Portugal. He got to the final, but he scored against England in the shootout. Oh, yeah. But they lost the final. Uh, to Greece. He went home at Portugal and lost to Greece. Aye, right. it was fine. I remember that. Memory's not that great, is it? Uh, but yeah, uh, so like we'd been we'd been quite fortunate because we had done the the public sale for the final. Um, I think it was in between the two legs of Liverpool. So. <laughs> as, as many people that tried to do that will remember the servers crashed I was fortunate and at the time I was working in a garage so I was up at like 5 in the morning 
and I went all done. Bought my tickets. I stuffed the work. No bother whatsoever. And then I heard on the radio while I was at work about the servers crashing and nobody could get tickets. And they froze the sale for days. And like this, this was like so 2003 was the last time I think UEFA have ever done a first come first serve. Because ever since that, and us crashing those servers, it's been applications only. And you know, they do a ballot after that. So like, you know, like I think the final was in Gothenburg next year. Um, because we've done quite well to get to the, the quarterfinals and that and all. I was considering trying to look for that as well, but it was all applications. Never a chance of getting a point of record for that one. But yeah, so we had our tickets secure before the quarterfinal was decided. So for some reason, I remember us thinking, well, if we don't go and see Celtic in the final, we can always go and see Liverpool in the final. Never I never crossed our mind that neither of them would pass the semi. So we were it in that good time because I don't think I'd have all going to see Port Rombo of Easter. You know? So, but yeah, we got, thankfully it was, it was Celtic that made the final and uh, it was in that mad dash to find somewhere or somehow to get there. Uh, and our solution ended up being a week's holiday in Benidorm, which is nowhere near Seville. But it did mean that we, we hired a car. So we went there for the first couple of days. And just as we were getting into Benidorm, there was a busload of Celtic fans were leaving. Because we got in the night before the game. So we hired a car the next day and drove through the south of Spain. And I'm delighted that we did, because that's some gorgeous scenery that I would never have otherwise seen. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful landscape at times. Um, just along that kind of south road all the way through Andalusia. Um, so we got to Seville, parked up near the stadium which is the Estadio Olimpico, which broke my heart to see Rangers fans in there last year. <laughs> That's their stadium. They're not even playing the game in that stadium. I sat and watched the game in it. <laughs> on a telly. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, so we parked up near the stadium and then my dad was a smoker um, at the time. So he was like, we need to go find flags. <laughs> Where are we going to buy cigarettes around here? There's no shops anywhere near the bloody stadium. We ended up having to get a taxi into a bit of Seville that could get us a shop that was selling cigarettes to then get a taxi back again. <laughs> but I, before we'd got the taxi, we'd been wandering looking for a shop. And we turned this corner and there's an absolute sea of green and white coming towards us. I will never forget that sight. I have never seen so much green and white in all my life. And I, I've been to Celtic Park for decades now. I have never seen anything like that in my life. I don't think I'll ever see it again. It's like when people take, joke about the fact that Celtic says 80,000 Celtic fans, that's what comes to mind. 80, that's what 80,000 looks like. I can believe that. It wouldn't have been 80,000 that was actually coming, it was not at the same time. But that's how it felt. It just felt like just a sea of people. It was phenomenal sight. I wish I'd been able to get a picture of it. I actually wish I'd been able to, I was an idiot with a camera. To be honest, I don't have a picture of me in Seville which bugs me every single year that comes out for 20 years now. I've got pictures of the huddle, I've got pictures of the scoreboard when it said to each at one point. <laughs> Except me in a picture in Seville. So, but yeah, so we, we got back to the stadium. Um, got into the, there's always that nervous moment of, is my ticket going to get me through? And then he tore about it. I'm sorry, keep my <laughs> I've still got a ticket somewhere, but it's got a tear on it. Um, so we found our seats, which were occupied by other Celtic fans. We ended up sitting in the stairs during this FIFA Cup final. We never got our seats. Other people were sat there. How that works, I don't know. So we we, I mean, we, we sat and it was just ridiculous. You ever seen the picture before the game in the stadium and you see like a ring of sun? I was right in the middle of that. <laughs> Roasting. You're talking 35 degree heat easily. And I'm sitting in this top, which I've dug out for the night. 
because uh, I wore it all through the, the, the run. Everybody else is in green and white. I'm sitting there in the yellow away kit, blasting in the back. Because <laughs> he's the one that's got it. So. And I've not changed that. I'm not going to jinx it. There's no way I'm changing the brand new hoops. Even though I love these new hoops. It's what my favourite Celtic kit is the, three, is the 2003-04 season that we wore in Seville. And it's that, because it's that unique Celtic kit for Seville, where it's the 03-04 kit with NTL in the front, because we changed to Carlin the next season. So it's the only time we wore the 03 04 kit with uh, NTL on the front. Yeah. You were in the Carlin strip the game before and the game after? Yes. Aye. It was the only time we had NTL written on it because we just switched to do it in the link. And that, we had to keep the same. You and your buddies, Rangers, yes, he's went to Carlin. Yes, well yes, done. Yes, we all went to the same. As you said earlier. Yeah. So, uh, so we were, I was like, so we, we, at one point we were arguing with stewards about trying to get our seats. <laughs> I get mad. I didn't want to sit in the stairs, but we did eventually. Um, and while this is going on, last ketchup are playing. That's probably the most surreal <laughs> moment of the day. <laughs> the ketchup song is the music to go with the FA Cup final. I hate that song. And we're I not still, playing it. <laughs> no, we're not playing it. So, yeah, that's, that's how it goes for that song. Yeah, so eventually we sat in the stairs and I'm getting absolutely cooked. And one thing I've noticed since I put this on tonight is how much thicker football tops were 20 years ago. <laughs> this is I'm roasting sitting here. <laughs> not in the 35 degree heat I was that day um, so you can imagine that this is one of the few times in my life where I have when I cannot sit and watch this game I need to go and get a drink so I have sympathy for the Rangers fans who had so much problem getting water, we had plenty of water oh, we, could got, we got water no bother at all I have sympathy for the Rangers fans that were sitting there and not being able to get water because I don't think I could have made it through that game if I hadn't I honestly thought it was a joke I was like can I get something to drink? He goes, we don't have anything. And I was like, Any, anything, just non-alcoholic beer, coke, we don't have anything. Seriously? Frightening. And it's nothing, honestly nothing frightening until, that they had the water. Nothing until halftime. Nothing. John, my, my, one, of my, one, of my, one of my most soberest parts to the start of that game was John McLaughlin bringing water from the Rangers changing room over to the people that were already in the stadium. <laughs> well, that's bad. I... <laughs> I'd obviously seen some stories. I didn't realize it was that bad. I just thought these were like toilet water, but it wasn't even that because they turned off the to- the, water, the water as well. Jeez, oh, that's that's scary. That's I mean that could have been a lot worse than it was. They could, just, how, I mean, how many medical issues could have happened because of that? I was I was fairly hydrated with all the wrong stuff. To be fair, up there. I, would like. <laughs> I was going to say it was just funny. But you were saying see you panicking about your ticket. Aye. Imagine it being on a mobile phone that you've been out with all day. Yes. Making sure you've still got charge on it. <laughs> Knowing that because it was only electronic tickets, you weren't allowed to print it off a PDF, it had to be on your phone, really? it had to be on your UEFA app. And the whole day, me and my brother like trying to hold each other, trying to hold our pals. And I'm like, I but we need to save a battery, so we need to be with each other from like 12 o'clock, and then we can't go anywhere. We need yeah. to be together so that we don't lose. I'm just saying about electronic tickets, that is the most <laughs> nerve wracking I've ever been is making sure I had battery and reception in my phone just till I get in. And I was like, right, I don't care anymore, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> There's that moment of relief when it goes green as you put it in the well, barrier. I, I remember that I as well. So. I just, uh, just that's me. I'm in and then I can watch the game. So I, I missed about 10 15 minutes in the first half, but it was fine because I, I, I have not really watched any of the game back since. I'm reasonably assured nothing happened when I was getting water. Um, <laughs> but then obviously, we get the sucker punch just before half time where they get the goal for um, Derby. Um, and that's about a down at half time, but. I, like 
I mean, I, I, like, until last year, I used to laugh at this because like, I, 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 I remember that time your team scored in the FA Cup final. Ah, not you, Rangers fans, because I know you've lost five years later to now. To me, one of the greatest moments of my life is that equaliser with Larson's. To this day, I have no idea how you swerve a header. <laughs> that first equaliser, he does it, and it's a phenomenal goal. And it's like his, that's either his 199th goal for Celtic or his 200th. I can't remember what way it works, but one of the goals is his 200th. It's either that one or the second equaliser. I think the, the, the so obviously like they scored again, we scored again, lasted again. And that was probably the moment where we had our best chance to win it. We were the better team at two each until full time. And then it went into extra time. And the moment I remember is screaming for a free kick on the edge of their box, not getting it. The ball got up the park and Bobo whacked the guy up in the air to get a second yellow card. It was Capuccio, wasn't it? I don't, I think it was. I, I don't remember. I've never seen the incident I think was a free kick on the edge of the box before it in 20 years. So I don't know if there was one, but I, I distinctly remember moaning that we hadn't got a free kick and they broke up the park after. And that's when he got his red card. And obviously that cost us into 10 men. Derry gets the third goal, um, which there was a there was a bit of luck in that one because I think Jackie McNamara and Rab Douglas seem to take each other out at the edge of the box and mm-hmm. then Derry fires it in. And what I think it's Ulrich Lawson's on the, the goal line at this point and it deflects and he can't keep it out because he's going for the original shot to block it. And it just breaks up in some way and goes above him and he can't keep it out of that. I can't think who it deflects off. Is it not it's, Douglas? It might have been. I, but, I think it hits Rab Douglas. Is it? Uh, he's maybe trying to recover because originally it was McNamara and, 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 and Douglas had kind of got a bit of a mix up and it brought him back to uh, Porto. Because it went underneath Douglas, but I think it might yeah. hit just underneath his armpit or something like that. Yeah, it might have been. And it, there was something about that being like a mirror of another goal that happened like long time previous when it was the other way around. Like, Boston had deflected it off, which took it away from Douglas or something. something like that. I don't remember what it was, but I just remember being some sort of mirror. And it, it kind of went flat after that. I mean, there was a last minute chance for, which we gave to Sean Maloney because we knew he could hit three kicks. Um, and he put it in the stand because he's a youngster. <laughs> That's some pressure to put in the boy. I mean, it's like uh, ball in the pole kicker at the last minute to try and take it to penalties. Um, but aye, it was. Uh, it was. An odd atmosphere after that because we're on record after 120 minutes of the game. The players were on the deck. Um, and I remember just like a switch flicking and all the Celtic fans were just, we were suddenly singing our hearts out again and Martin O'Neill coming around each of the team and pointing up at us and going, get back in your feet because they've done phenomenal. And it was that moment of, sort of the team and the, the fans just in unison and that kind of lifted us again. And I think we had, we kind of had to take that into the next couple of days because obviously this was before the title decider weekend. Um, so, I mean, we hung about, we watched Porto get the trophy. Um, on the way out, there was a Porto fan stopped me, I wanted to swap scarves. And I'm like, well, that, this was the first scarf I'd ever had as a Celtic fan. And I was intent on retiring it that day. Like I was going home with me and I was going to keep it in the loft. I've still got it up the stairs and I probably should have swapped them. I hugged them instead um, as a congratulations. He never understood me saying congratulations because he only spoke Portuguese, but it kind of got the sentiment. <laughs> um, so for all 
there was a lot of play acting for Porto that day, and we've talked that's been talked about before. Uh, that's just one of Mourinho's teams. This was this was Jose Mourinho before everybody knew him. Have this was the start s- of him. Have you ever uh, seen the analysis on Celtic for that game, though? No. So Andre Diaz Boas was Mourinho's video analyst at the time. Yep. Um, there's a thread I'll find it on Twitter if you if you're interested in torching yourself, and he calls out uh, Lennon, Lambert, Sutton, Baldy as people they can get carded and eventually sent off because they will keep committing fouls. Yep. Um, so to make sure that it's literally in his analysis report to make sure they're play acting, they're rolling about, they're drawing attention to the ref at every set piece. And they, they also don't give away set plays near the round the box because of Celtic's threat from set plays. Mm-hmm. It is like, it, it, as somebody who's worked in analysis, it, it's quite amazing. And it's funny because without that, although he still had to go and win the Champions League, Without that game, we might not have had to have endured Jose Mourinho for 20 years. Somebody who I cannot stand. Mm, agreed. The, the guy that's poked, poked the eye of Barcelona coaches, the guy the guy that is embodies everything I despise about football to my absolute core. He's anti-football. I cannot stand the guy and his arrogance. And it's been two decades. Yep. And it's still and it started in, it started in Seville. <laughs> the really annoying thing is that, as you say, they went on and won the Champions League that season. We gave them more of a game that day Aye. than most teams did. We certainly done better than Bloody Monaco did in the final uh, 12 months later. And this final, I remember being distinct. Like, see if you were a neutral, this final was the final to watch because the Champions League final that season was garbage. It was the two Italian teams that finished 0 0, went to penalties, rotten game. But aye, our game was a game to watch that yeah, that season. It was just a, a great final. It, it probably suffers a bit from the fact that it was only two years after the Liverpool Alves final, which was like five four. Gary McAllister's golden goal won it. I mean, this was another thing about this final. This was a silver goal final. Mm-hmm. It was that weird thing that if you scored in the first fifteen minutes of extra time, you won. Mm-hmm. You would keep playing to the end of the fifteen minutes, and if somebody was a winner at that, it would be finished. Yeah. It was so it wasn't golden goal, but meant you didn't have to play the other fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody ever scored a silver goal. The only time they did, there was one that I remember. The Euros. Yeah, Greece. Calisteus, I'm sure scores. In was that a silver goal? Yeah. Yeah. Semi-final silver goal. They were the Republic. They were on. And it happened at the end of that period. To be fair, so it was as well as being a winning goal. It was like 103 minutes. It was like nothing to go. Aye. Yeah, so and then they ditched after and went back to the regulations. That, um, yeah, so I mean, like, like I say, I like for all the play acting, and actually, the thing I remember most is how long it took them to celebrate their bloody goals. <laughs> like, they'd, like, they'd score a goal and then they'd run to bloody Madrid and back they were <laughs> to celebrate. It was ridiculous, but uh, like, for all for all the play acting, we talk about it. Porto were a better team that day, like I said earlier. The only time we really looked like we might win that game was at two each between two each and full time we never really looked like we were going to win it in extra time mm-hmm. and I don't think we really looked like we were going to win it at one each or even nothing each it was kind of peaches then but I, the, the, the time between getting it back to two each and full time is probably our best chance and we just it never happened unfortunately yeah. um, and, and unfortunately I turned out to be quite prophetic myself because I said going into that that we'd either win both trophies or we'd win neither Exactly uh, and it. unfortunately, it was neither. That's the exact way I felt in 2008. That's the exact same feeling. It was going to be all or nothing the, the whole time. Um, but I bet it, 
I just, I'm actually trying to think what Twitter would be like you now if we were running into that scenario whereby if Rangers had made the final last year with the title level on points going into a goal difference scenario in the last game, I don't think I'd be able to candle myself. I don't actually. What's your moment's football this weekend? No, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not that invested. I don't know the teams. I don't know the players. I only go watch Scotland at women's yeah, Honestly, I, it's, it's hilarious that we're doing this now, given the scenario that's uh, set out for them. It's even better because Glasgow City are still in the mix as well. But mm-hmm. if Glasgow City lose to Rangers and Celtic beat Hearts, it's coming down to goal difference between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And Rangers are a goal ahead. Yeah. I think if I was to introduce Rangers women's team into my life, along with the B team, I don't think I would have any life left. <laughs> I don't think I can handle myself. Although if Rangers go on and win it in the women's title, then maybe I should just become a women's fan and just drop the first team now. <laughs> yeah, if you get along to the Women's Cup final next week in Rangers and Celtic, we'll do a podcast next week about that. But for now, we'll focus on um, the last day of 2002-2003. So Rangers and Celtic literally were neck and neck. They were level goal difference at, I think it was plus six. Yeah, plus six eight. they were going into this game. Rangers were literally ahead by one having scored one more goal Celtic have got a difficult trip to Kilmarnock and um, Rangers have got a, a home game against the Dunfermline side who had punched above their weight and done very well that season and it, it was crazy at half time Rangers 3-1 up Celtic are 2-0 up then Celtic go 3-0 up and are top of the league for 5-6 minutes and then there's that moment where Larson hits the post at the same time the Boers scoring um, to make it um, 4-1 and put Rangers back on top and they never relinquished but it was just such a, a crazy crazy day I'm guessing both of you were at Ibrox and Rugby Park respectively that day no I was still in Benidorm oh were you oh that, wait, that, so but, like I said I, I had a week in Benidorm so my two day trip to Seville we slept in a like the forecourt of a garage for a few years um, yes. I was at Scotland flag as a blanket because um, I think that was one of the few was a Scotland flag to the game um, that was like, I brought it as a cape in Seville <laughs> I think that, that I eventually gave that Scotland flag to a Polish fan in the World Cup in 2006 uh, we swapped so that was that was going but um, aye it was, so my five the remaining five days of my holiday were spent in Benidorm by a pool reading Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy actually um, but obviously I took a break for the title decider went to the Celtic pub only to find they couldn't get a proper feed to the game off Satanta was it Satanta? I thought it was on BBC no BBC BBC had the contract those two seasons yeah because the the two games were on live so you could get both games unfortunately the Celtic pub could only get the Rangers game because the other one was completely broken up and watchable so we did exactly what you'd expect us to do and put teletext on (laughs) we didn't watch the Rangers game we sat and watched the title decider of 2002-03 on teletext (laughs) so I at some point we must have got Sky Sports because I definitely ended up watching Soccer Saturday, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But I, like, for a while, I was watching Teletext, watching the scores come up. So I watched as Celtic took the lead in the title decider on Lockie Text, <laughs> and then fell behind again. And I, I'm pretty sure it flagged up that we'd missed a penalty at the same time Rangers scored. And I, 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 I'm sure Teletext said we'd missed a penalty, um, because it was wasn't long after that, and then ended up, ended up getting the soccer Saturday, and we had Nigel Spackman was giving us the updates from Ibrox because I distinctly remember Nigel Spackman telling us that's a soft penalty. And I think if a Rangers fa- uh, player, a former Rangers player, is telling you it's a soft penalty, it's probably a soft penalty. 
But I think I think that was made, that was a, the penalty was the last one you scored to make it six one, wasn't it? So yeah. it didn't really make a difference because that meant you won a goal difference instead of goal scored. Yeah, that was it. It just gives you that little cushion at the end. So it's the soft. It, eh? I was watching back there. It's, it, I don't even know what he thinks. I, I don't know what the ref actually thinks he saw because McCann's holding his knee and it. Aye, I mean I was not complaining, obviously, but it was a it was a bizarre one. But that was like you'd mentioned John before. That Dundee, the three penalties, Barry Ferguson missing two of them, and then his bottle completely crashing. That was the longest way try to figure out who was actually going to step up because it really should have been your captain and no a 19-year-old Spaniard in his first season in Scottish football that was stepping up to, to lead. So I, I do always quite enjoy those Barry Ferguson moments when he talks about leadership and bottle and step he couldn't quite find it. It had to be Arteta step up and win the title for Rangers. So, I in fact, I don't know what might have happened. I mean, Barry Ferguson had been pretty successful with his penalties all the way up until then. I know it ended up no Martin, but I just remember after that, that, that was the wildest game. I, I don't really know what to do, like going back home with my mates to celebrate that title. Um, I do remember Chris Sutton having a meltdown, but I don't think I've... <laughs> I found it... I think I remember Chris Sutton moaning about the lying down, but and then I remember, like, somebody just, one of my mates just went, ah, is Kilmarnock away no a harder game? And I was like, ah, ah yes. <laughs> I scored four <laughs> goals away at Robbie Park. was way more impressive. I scored six against the family. You get the conspiracy theorists. I mean, I think there were some people saying that, um, apparently Celtic um, said to Gordon Marshall, since he was your former player, can you stop, stop being so good this day? Because he had a stormer. But there was a key moment in the Rangers game at 3-1 where, was it, I think it was Craig Brewster had a shot and Stefan Kloss makes an outstanding save. That's another game changer. Can it, does, it, does it not hit off the bar? I feel like I remember Craig Brewster almost scoring an absolute screamer or, or might have been an R chance, but I mean, their their goal was a screamer as well. I can't mm, Jason Dare. Right. Oh, it was Jason Dare. I couldn't remember if it was him or Barry Nicholson, but I remember them scoring a screamer. I, I just remember thinking Jimmy Calderwood with his spray time was going to come over and ruin it for us just to prove a point. Um, but I, it's mental because when you look back at the fixtures, I look back at it was a Livingston game we were 4 0 up on and got pegged back to 4 3. And you're like, I think now, if I see just talking a point where I said if this was happening now, I think I, you'd be sitting obsessing with every fixture that you'd We did the same. The, the, we beat Dundee <laughs> Celtic Park 6 2, and the two was. <laughs> was it 6 2? Or was this a different game? 6 2, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So the, the, that the, game moved forward for. Losing the bloody goals was the biggest problem. I remember. Because we, we knew by this point it might come down to goal difference. So we knew that might be a problem. But aye, that's, that's the one that always stuck it. But aye, it was. Uh, again, what you, the, the whole conspiracy theory. I mean, see if Don Fairman had one foot in the plane. That's their choice. They've got nothing to play for in this game. Their league is done. They've made the top six. They're not in the cup final. They're in the cup final of all the season. Um, but they, they, they've got nothing to play for. Come on, look. Similarly, nothing to play for. Like, so if there's Celtic fans in the Dunfermline team and Rangers fans in the Dunfermline <laughs> team and Celtic fans in the Kamarnock team and Rangers fans in the Kamarnock team and as you rightly point out, Gordon Marshall was a goalkeeper. Gordon Marshall is just a pain in the arse, isn't he? Because he comes back <laughs> two years later as well. <laughs> And I didn't model. even like him as a Celtic goalkeeper, never mind when he came back later. <laughs> yeah. What I remember about Rangers title celebrations was Howard from um, the Bank of Scotland adverts was presented. Yes. Yes. 100% man, like demanding that he was the one that handed it over as well. But, uh, I mean, see, see for the youngsters, right, Howard was, uh, uh, 
it was in the Bank of Scotland adverts or Halifax adverts because mm-hmm. Halifax and Bank of Scotland. It's boss, yeah. So he was just he would dance on adverts. It's just kind of hard to explain to somebody that's maybe not no, seen the adverts. Not, it would be like Rylan presenting the Scottish Premier League. Exactly that. That's, 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 he's that's the modern day equivalent. Rylan since that. Exactly that. Like, I, I want to see Ireland present them though. I think that's yeah. really important. We should we need to get the Celtic Park. See, to be honest, <laughs> that was we were me and my mate were talking. Like, obviously, it's it's quite a big big ask to go forward into this season, but or the next season, is I think if if Rangers are to depose Celtic next year, you're going to see something like this again, whereby it's going to you're going to already be looking at games where you need to put as many past teams as possible. And because I even like in January this year, I was looking at it going like, right, how do we beat them? Like we, we need to start putting four and five past teams because they're putting nine past United and just trying to count it up. Yeah. I think if you're going to dispo, you could get close to it. It's going to need to be because I don't think there's a team that's going to drop too many points. Um, but I just I go back to what I said. I think these are the, that was the best season of a Rangers and Celtic side going head to so, head for me. I've pulled out a stat for this one. So there's been 21 full seasons of the, the Premiership since we went to 12 teams in the split and stuff like that. Because we've not finished the one we're currently in, and I'm not counting 2019-20 because it got curtailed. Of those 21 fully completed, there are only five where the champions got more points than Celtic got in this this season. Because Celtic had 97 points. Mm-hmm. Of those five seasons were 2001 2003-04. Following season, Celtic had 98 points. Just to make up, just to point the point. Um, and then you've got 2013-14, and then the two um invincible seasons where Celtic won it in 2016-17 and Rangers won it in 2020-2021. So the five of the 21, the champions got more than uh, Celtic did this season. And every other season, the 97 points that Celtic got this season would have won the league. And that includes the 2000-2001 season where Celtic won the treble and also got 97 points because Celtic, <laughs> the Celtic of 2002-03 had a better goal difference. Yeah. Rangers this season, just put this in the context, Rangers this season can get to 94 points. Um In 2002-2003, the third place side were Hearts on 63 points. Um, Aberdeen can get to that if they win the three games. That just shows that the gap um, is ridiculous this season. But for definitely, I mean, it was ridiculous back then, but it's even more ridiculous now because Celtic Rangers has very good teams in now. Not, I wouldn't say they were the same level, but it just shows where everyone else is at. No, I agree. I think I think the Celtic Rangers teams of 2002-03 would beat the current teams. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think I'd probably say more about the, the Celtic team currently than as the Rangers team because the Rangers team currently isn't that great, despite the weekend's <laughs> game. Yeah, but Rangers did win the treble. John um, beating Dundee in the cup final by a goal to nil. Um, Lorenz Abrams has gone. Arthur Newman's last game. Um, just a perfect season. I mean, it's, it's a crazy season because Aye. you then see who's had the better season. <laughs> it was, but that was one of the worst cup finals ever. Dundee were yeah. unlucky. Barry Smith hit the post. I mean, I'm sure Novo had a chance. I think Gavin Ray had a chance. And Zadze had two chances. Rangers were burst. And I know one of those ones that's where like, you listen to the open goal and you hear Barry Ferguson and Craig Moore talk about how wrecked they were after the helicopter Sundays, if it's some sort of badge of honour. In fact, they almost screwed up a treble. Just by being absolutely wrecked, but they were that was what you could tell. It was players that had barely trained that week and had been out for four days solid. It was, it was, if you watch that back, and it has, it was, I watched it back when I was interviewing Gavin Ray, 
and I did. I couldn't remember how bad it was until I watched like a twenty minute highlight, and it was Amaris was header and all Dundee chances the rest of the game. That was all it was. Um, so I was I was so bad, man. But treble on this, I mean, if you would tell me then it would be the last treble I was seen, I would. Uh, uh, I would not have believed you, John. Yeah, John, as you said, it was uh, it was a very odd summer, and who had the better season? Because I mean, like we we hadn't had a Scottish team in a European final since Dundee United, who also failed to win the UEFA Cup unfortunately. Um, and then since then we've had another two Rangers teams make it to the the final, um, and it worked on it was both teams. So that, that seems to be the trophy. It's just a wooden Scottish teams. <laughs> four attempts now to win it, none of them have managed it. So yeah, it's still still Aberdeen forty years ago, so halfway from joining, but I think it's forty years. This point I'm making here, not the not the fact that Aberdeen won a European trophy. Um, that was last week's podcast. Yeah, it's a good podcast. Listen to it if you haven't listened to it already. Um, but yeah, it was so, like yeah, the, the summer was a very much a case of this was the best Celtic team that never won anything. Um, like, I mean, the other one I would drive about is the Tommy Burns era when we went what, the entire season and only lost one game um, and still didn't win the league because we drew too many. They were great to watch, but this team was something else. This was like There are there are Celtic fans can rhyme off the 11 that won in Lisbon. Um, there's probably Celtic fans can do it with the ones that lost in Milan as well. This is my team. I can go Douglas Fahar and Baldy, Melby, Thompson, Lambert, Lennon, Petrov, Bigat, Sutton, Larson, Nibor. <laughs> that's that. This is my team. That, like, it's not just because this was the team that um, like, played in my first season as a season ticket holder, but they made a European final. This was, I mean, like I said earlier, Celtic hadn't got past Europe before this season and since I was a baby. Um, so for them not to only to get past Christmas, but to make it all the way to the final and for me to go there I watched them in a final. It was just absolutely phenomenal. And I, I mean, <laughs> I'd made a bet with somebody years previous that if a Celtic, if, if a Scottish team ever won a European trophy and the way that European football had gone, I was going to dye my hair the colour of that team. <laughs> so I, I swore I, I was that close to dye my hair green. I wanted to prepare that to blow. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that would have my, been... my mates probably don't remember that and will remind me if it's another European final ever comes in because I don't think he even mentioned it last year, thankfully. Um, but yeah, it was because um, nothing's changed. It still seems almost impossible for Scottish teams and the current climate to be able to compete. Yeah. Um, so what I mean, what Celtic did in two thousand and two or three was was phenomenal. What Rangers did in '08 and then last year. Was, was, was equally against the odds, um, particularly given the way that Rangers have gone through the disaster of 2012 to a decade later being in the European final. Like that's that's one of the greatest stories in Scottish football, I think. Is that rise again? Now, I know they've you can question how they've done it and the position they're now in financially. Was that a gamble worth taking? Well, it was it was a, it was a gamble as opposed to not doing tax stuff, right? Which <laughs> John told me not to mention. Um, but <laughs> I, I did mention the other one. I wasn't going to, I, I'd maybe have one comment on EBTs. We'll bleep that out, don't worry. Just no, no, it's like the, the, <laughs> the, the, the point I'm going to make is you can't take memories away. So 
you could, I mean, you we could be sitting here and Lord Nimmo Smith could have Grant said that yes, Rangers have to be stripped of all the titles. You still wouldn't take the memories away. You still couldn't take away that memory of me sitting in Benidorm watching teletext, watching us lose the league. That still happened. Whether you put an asterisk next to the trophy, whether you let them keep the trophy and forget about it or take the trophy away from it, it's still the same memory. It's equally, those are the Ibrox that watched the Rangers win 6 1, went to Hamden, still probably half cut for the week before, including the team. Um, <laughs> those memories last forever. And memories is what it's all about. It's memories is why we're doing this podcast 20 years on. I know, mate. I know. I'm so, just trying to relive a treble, though. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hoping I'll have one next month. But... <laughs> just the regular occurrence last few years, Chris. But... That's the thing. Like I said earlier, this was Rangers' seventh treble. Um, Celtic had only done three by that point. The fact that now up to seven, possibly eight by the end of this season, is ridiculous turnaround events. So. Yeah, well, your old nemesis, Kelly Thistle, might have something to say about that. But yes. um, I think, fingers crossed somehow. Again. The good thing is, I'm not going. <laughs> Actually, that's not fair. Right. Because the last time I saw Celtic play in for this, Kelly Thistle, Celtic won 6 0. It was the last time the two teams met in the Scottish Cup. <laughs> but that will not get mentioned because it's not the same story. Because no, because it's more fun to mention Josh Meekins <laughs> and his handball or the 3 1. Super Cali, go ballistic, Celtic are atrocious. Because it is the greatest headline ever. <laughs> Listen, see the Cali Thistle in 2000. Um, I was delighted because Aberdeen were playing Cali Thistle next round, no Celtic. And Celtic that season destroyed his 25 win over five matches. Um, so... Yeah, your best performance is the League Cup final. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, just sad times as a Don's man then. But John, if it, just to sum up um, that season... Um, <laughs> What words would best uh, describe um, that season? Bonkers, maybe one of them? Bonkers. That season just wrong round about class. Wrong round about was a Barry Ferguson probably shared it, but for me, wrong about uh, world class in Scottish football, wrong about immense. And Chris, well, you summed up earlier by saying Seville, um, and you nearly ruined it by nearly mentioning EBTs. So, you know, to be honest, like the, the, the other memory I have from this season is two weeks before Seville, standing at Fort Park in the passion rain, which is Celtic. Actually, I think, I think we went top of the league that night uh, on goal difference because we won, I think it was 4 0. Standing there in two weeks' time, talking about that, going, you know, that's weather, we'll be in Seville on a fortnight. <laughs> Yeah, it must be one of your games in hand at that point. Cause I think it was, yeah. um, And interestingly, other things that happened that season. So, um, as we mentioned, Falkirk won the league, um, but weren't allowed promoted. Clyde were second, by the way. But you got nothing for second place um, for the first division at that point. Um, Alan and Arbroath were relegated. Wraith Rovers and Breakin City came up from the second division at the first. Shenan County and Beast went down. And Greenock Morton won what was then the third division now League Two and East Fife were promoted. And interestingly enough, there are five clubs in the 42 um, team setup that are no longer in that setup. Gretna went bust and Berwick, Kenbeath breaking and Easterland all went down because at that point there was no relegations and Easterland prided themselves on having just two wins, conceding 105 goals and having 13 points. <laughs> that, that was Gretna's first season in the league. Because they, they, yeah. they replaced the original Airdrie Orleans that went bust. Because yeah. Airdrie United tried to take that spot and then had to buy Clyde Bank to do it. But yeah, that was great. That's first. And they only lasted five years. 
Yeah. But, they, 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 are, they were in Scottish football between European finals because they went Boston to this, didn't Yeah, we got 2008. But listen, we'll, we'll wrap that on before we go any further. But um, listen, thanks again for your time, guys, for reliving the memorable season in Scottish football. And um, yeah, um, keep tuning in for more.